Ruth chapter number 2 tonight. Ruth 2. We're going to, let's read the first three verses here. Uh, we began this uh, last time that we met a couple of weeks ago. It says in verse number 1, And Naomi had a kinsman. That's what we're going to be dealing with tonight. Kinsman of her husband's. A mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech. And his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. God is working in Ruth's life. God's working in Boaz's life, bringing them together. Uh, the three primary personalities presented in this book are Ruth, and uh, uh, we, Ruth is a picture or type of a brand new convert, we said, and we, we saw the uh, her last time, and in Naomi, we also saw a picture or type of a backslidden believer. And in uh, Boaz, tonight, we're going to be taking a look. He's a picture or type of the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you say, what do you mean a picture or type? It just, there are things that are, that are happening in those lives that uh, remind you of those that, that what, uh, what we're talking about. There's some things that happened in Naomi, Naomi's life. She was a believer. But uh, she, well, along with her husband, they got out of the way and moved uh, to Moab. And because of that, uh, um, he died. Her sons died. Left with two, two uh, daughter-in-laws, Ruth and, and Orpah. And, uh, of course, Orpah stayed behind. Ruth went with her and became a believer. And in these verses, we see a woman who is searching for grace here. That's what we said. And the purpose in Ruth's search, you know, her idea was I'm searching for food. You know, she was needing food, to, to uh, just looking for enough to feed her and, and, and Naomi for the night. Go back out in the field the next day, find some again, uh, gleaning. She's searching for food. She was searching for favor. Uh, she was looking for somebody to have, show her some grace. And of course, with her being a foreigner, um, she needed she needed God to move on their heart to give the, give her grace. And she was searching for fulfillment. And we said that the the providence in Ruth's search uh, there it involved God's command in the past, where he uh, he commanded that uh, that when you glean a field, you don't you you take into account that there's poor people and widows that need something and if you drop something out in the field you leave it there you don't pick you don't bend down over and pick it up um, and you and the corners of the field the same way you you don't uh, you don't reap the corners of the field you leave that for those that are poor and so it involved God's command in the past and involved God's control in the present and we saw how God moves powerfully and providentially to bring about his will in our lives as believers. Just the same way he, he moved in the lives of these three people, he moves in our lives. 
You know, um, same way Boaz is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, believers are to be a type of the Lord Jesus Christ too. We are. You know, the, the, the characteristics we, we're to show forth the characteristics of Christ because we're in Christ. So uh, let's think about it that way. Amen. And so we're, we're gonna, tonight we're going to take a look at not only the, the purpose in Ruth's search and the providence in Ruth's search, but we're going to see the person in Ruth's search here. And that's verse number one. Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. Now she thought she was just looking for a meal, but God was about to bring her into a relationship with a man. Amen. And uh, even though she just went to find some food for herself and Naomi, God was about to give her a new family. I mean, she's a widow. She's a widow without any children. Um, and uh, that's a bad place to be in during, back during those days anyway it was. And uh, although Ruth didn't know it at this point, as Boaz was the real object of her search, God's, you can see God's hand bringing them together. And notice what the Bible teaches us about this man Boaz. First of all, Boaz was a related man. Boaz was a related man. Uh, the, this verse tells us that he, he was a kinsman. A kinsman. He was just what Ruth needed, even though she didn't know it at the time. Uh, Boaz was qualified to perform the function of what was known as the kinsman redeemer to these widows according to the law of God. I want you to hold your place there and let's turn back to uh, where this is mentioned in Numbers chapter number 27. Book, book of Numbers chapter number 27 and we're going to look at verses 8 through 11 where this was established. Numbers 27 verse number 8. It says there, And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a man die and have no son. Okay, and that's, that's, that applies to what you know, Ruth's husband died, and he didn't have a son. He said, Then he shall cause his inheritance to pass unto his daughter. Well, they, they didn't have any daughters either. All right? And if he have no daughter, then he shall give his inheritance unto his brethren. Well, he didn't have any brothers. <laughs> if you have no brethren, then, uh, you, we, then his brother died too, remember? So if you have no brethren, then you shall give his inheritance unto his father's brethren. And if his fathers have, have no brethren, then, then ye have, uh, they shall give his inheritance unto his kinsmen that is next to him of his family, and he shall possess it, and it shall be unto the children of Israel a statute of judgment as the Lord commanded. So uh, we'll, we'll see more about this as we move along, but uh, uh, this was the particular area that uh, we're going to see the, the kinsman redeemer, Boaz is the kinsman redeemer here, and how this comes into play. But Boaz is a type of Jesus Christ, our redeemer. Jesus became a kinsman to us, didn't he? Uh, he became flesh uh, so that he could perform uh, what we needed as far as a redeemer. Uh, he might redeem us from our sins. Uh, Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 5 says, uh, 
And let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. He was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's how he redeemed us. But he had to become one of us. Okay, He had to become man, flesh and blood. Uh, look at Hebrews chapter number 2. And uh, we're going to... Uh, have you just kind of hold your place there in Hebrews because we're going to look at some other uh, things here in a minute in the book of Hebrews. But Hebrews chapter number 2 and look at verse number 9. And this, of course, uh, the writer of Hebrews is is writing here about uh, uh, the superiority of Christ. To And we see in verse number 9, he's superior to uh, as we see, but he, we, we see Jesus, it says, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. And see, the only way that he could do that was to become flesh. He had to become flesh to taste death for us. Uh, look at verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that's us, he also, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Again, it was necessary for him to take on flesh and blood. Look at verse 17. And 18, wherefore in all things it behooved him, notice, to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, and here's the redemption here, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor, that word means to help them, that are tempted. He's able to help us. And what a blessing that is. So Boaz was a related man. Don't lose your place there in Hebrews. We're going to be back uh, here in just a minute. We'll be over in chapter number 10. Um, if you want to go ahead and turn there, we'll be there in just a minute. But uh, Boaz not only was a related man, but Boaz was a rich man. The Bible calls him here in our text in Ruth uh, chapter 2 calls him a mighty man of wealth. A mighty man of wealth. Um, this means that Boaz possessed all the necessary resources to carry out the task of a kinsman redeemer. You know, uh, wealth was not the problem. You know, for he, he was able to carry that out. J Jesus Christ was also a man of sufficient resources to carry out the plan of redemption for us. Amen. Uh, Christ possesses perfect righteousness. We needed somebody that was perfectly righteous. Well, you can't get any richer in righteousness than Christ, can you? Second uh, Corinthians 5.21 uh, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Um, Christ not only possesses perfect righteousness, but Christ possesses everlasting love for 
the fallen. Uh, Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And just, just like uh, Boaz is going to be drawing uh, Ruth to himself, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ drew us. Romans 5.8 uh, talks about how that uh, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And John 3.16 uh, uh, talks about how that uh, he's the gift uh, uh, of uh, unto us uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life it's the love of God everlasting love and um, Christ possesses infinite grace as well sufficient to save any soul that will bow to God in repentance and faith. And I hope that you believe that. Anybody can be saved. Not everybody will be saved. But when Christ came to die, He died for the world. He died for, for everyone to be able uh, to have that. And it's their loss if they do not uh, come to Him for salvation. And uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then um, here's where we want to be in Hebrews chapter number 10. Christ completed God's plan for redemption in its entirety. Understand God had a plan. Even before sin ever entered the world, God had a plan for, for man, a plan of redemption. And Christ uh, came into the world and he, uh, he completed that plan of redemption in its entirety. Look at Hebrews 10. Look at verse number 11. Uh, it says, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting uh, till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. What a, what a blessing, amen. Look down and, and look back in chapter number 9, verse number 24. Chapter 9, verse 24. It says, For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true. In other words, the earthly tabernacle is a figure of the true tabernacle in heaven. It says, But into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with uh, blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. There's that redemption. And as is appointed in the man once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear uh, the second time without sin unto salvation. So Christ completed God's plan for redemption in its entirety. And now God's satisfied with what Jesus did. 
Yeah. We we don't have to add anything to it. Yeah. You know, just believing on the what the Lord Himself did on our behalf. In fact, First uh, John two verse three says He is the propitiation. He, that 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 uh, blood atonement there on the mercy seat. There's the picture there that satisfied the Lord. Uh, he's the propitiation for our sins. Jesus is, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. His His Redemption is sufficient to save anybody and everybody that will come. Isaiah 53, 11, uh, looking forward to Christ coming and, and uh, giving himself a sacrifice, said that God would see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. He saw the suffering of his son there on the cross of Calvary and he was satisfied. That, that propitiatory sacrifice Salvation may be free, but it wasn't cheap. So, Boaz was a related man. Boaz was a rich man. And uh, Boaz was a respected man. A respected man. We're, we're told that Boaz was a mighty man. A mighty man. And in fact, even the meaning of the name Boaz is strength. That's what his name means. One can't be a mighty man without having gained some respect, can they? Yeah. Um, it is this man that Ruth meets, falls in love with, and comes to know intimately. Again, Boaz is a picture or type of the Lord Jesus Christ and that God has given Jesus an exalted name. There where I was at a while ago, but I didn't have you turn to it. I'm not going to have you turn to it now for just for... Time's sake, I know uh, we took a lot of time reading the missionary letters and don't want to uh, keep you uh, too far over. So uh, in, uh, we, as we take a look in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 9, it talks about wherefore, because of what Christ did going to the cross, com coming, coming flesh, going to the cross for us, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so uh, uh, Boaz was a, a picture of a, uh, he was a mighty man, and it's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who has an exalted name. Men may mock him, May, they can may mock Jesus and use His name as a byword, but in heaven, uh, the Lord's name evokes worship and celebration. And, of course, one day Christ Jesus will receive the respect that He is due from all men. Uh, Romans 14, verse 11 and 12 says, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. So we, we need to make sure you know, we're close to standing before the Lord. How close, we don't know. But you know, our time on the earth is limited, isn't it? It's far better for one to bow the knee now and confess Christ as Lord and Savior now than to wait till they stand with before him in eternity and those of us that do know him already you know and that we're going to be bowing before him uh, 
wouldn't you like to be able to bow before him with a, a clean slate, you know, fully confessed and uh, knowing that you tried to please the Lord with your life? Uh, I hope that's uh, the way that uh, you look at life. Well, next week, Lord willing, we're going to be taking a look at verses 4 through 17, but at least begin looking at verses 4 through 17 as we see Ruth in the field of grace. Okay, she's out searching for grace, and she just happens upon uh, the field of Boaz. Uh, what a coincidence. God is the one that ordained that to take place. And we, we're going to see uh, Boaz uh, again uh, as he represents uh, the, the Lord Jesus Christ to us. and uh, How his reaction to Ruth uh, mimics a lot of the reaction that the Lord Jesus Christ does to us as a church. And what a blessing that will be when we take a look at that next week. All right, that's our Bible study for tonight. Uh, let's uh, pull back out our prayer list. We'll pray for the needs uh, that are there, and uh, we'll be dismissed with this prayer.